First Peter chapter one. We're going to continue continue our study. I believe this is week three of this study. I get to um, practice at the one o'clock hour, and Lord blessed again. We have been running at that one o'clock service the last several weeks. Again, I think we had over fifty in that service uh, today as well, and. Um, so enjoy, enjoy that service with those that are there and, and um, so pray, pray for those that are there. One o'clock each uh, uh, Wednesday afternoon, we have an afternoon service and that's for folks that just maybe can't come out in the evening and those that work shift work aren't, aren't able to uh, be here. We always have a good time with that. All right, First Peter chapter number one. And I want to begin reading in verse number seven the bible says that the trial of your faith that just sounds like a bad trial doesn't it the trial of your faith like one that'll shake you the the trial of your faith being much more precious than of gold that perisheth though it be tried with fire might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of jesus christ whom having not seen ye love in whom though now ye see him not, yet believing, ye rejoice with joy unspeakable, full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls, of which salvation the prophets have inquired and searched diligently, who prophesied of the grace that uh, should come unto you, searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ, which was in them, did signify, when it testified beforehand the suffering of Christ and the glory that should follow, unto whom it was revealed, that not unto themselves, but unto us, they did minister the things which are now reported unto you by them that have preached the gospel unto you with the Holy Ghost sent down from heaven, which things the angels desire to look into. In verse number 13, wherefore gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ as obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lust, in your ignorance but as he which hath called you is holy so be ye holy in all manner of conversation because it is written be holy for I am holy Peter is speaking to the Jews that are scattered abroad these were Jews that were brought up in uh, uh, Judaism they were brought up in in uh, the law now these are saved and now they're scattered all around Asia Minor. And, and Peter is writing it to these people. This is not written necessarily to a church or a group of people, but this is written to, to uh, those that are scattered all around Asia Minor. This is not a letter just going to one specific place, but it traveled through. And in the beginning here, we studied our first lesson. We saw the different places he was writing to. And Peter is dealing with suffering. You know what I, trials, he says here in verse number seven, that the trial of your faith, he's dealing, dealing with, in this book, he's going to deal with Christians that go through suffering or go through trials. He's making sure that he's setting the foundation in this first chapter so that Christians can go through suffering because every single Christian is going to go through suffering. Every Christian will. There's no exceptions. God uses suffering in a Christian's life to mold them to what he desires for them to become. I want you to see in verse number seven that the trial of your faith, 
might be found in the praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. And Peter is using this verse, and I think we maybe ended on this verse last week, but Peter is using this verse to point out a few things. And, and the first thing I want you to see is this, that, that your trial has value. Every suffering that God allows his child to go through, there's value to that. It's not a waste of time. Ever go through something and you wonder what the value of that is? Why am I going through this? Is there anything, is there anything good that's going to come out of, of suffering or a trial, hurt or issues, a trial of your faith, as he says? What we find here in this verse, he says, uh, it's being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. So I see here Peter is pointing something out. The trial has value. Secondly, as we continue on, making sure we understand going forward from this verse, I think this verse also shows us this, that, that the trial has an end. Every trial is going to end. You know, sometimes we get into that trial of our faith and sometimes we wonder is this ever going to go away is this trial ever going to end is this burden ever going to end we know this that it is going to end because at some point Jesus Christ is going to return now that might not be good news for you saying so I got to wait till then but the reality is this that trial is going to end Jesus Christ is going to come again. And thirdly, thirdly, if you'd write this down, Peter, I believe, is pointing something else out. The trial has value. The trial is going to end. We see that Jesus is coming again. And everything, everything about the believer is for the eternal. Now, this is vitally important for the believer because if we're not careful, we can go through trials and we can look what's happening and just be focused on the, the here and now. But everything God is looking at is eternal. And so Peter's showing us the trial has value. He's showing us the trial is going to end in everything that the believer goes through, every trial you face, the journey of suffering, it's everything is for the eternal. And as we journey through life, they're suffering. They're suffering. Now, some will cause you to believe that once you become a believer, you know, every problem is going to go away. How many of you, when you got saved, all your problems went away? How many of you, when you got saved, you got more problems? Yeah. A lot of times, we'll have even more problems or suffering or trials. And every single believer is going to go through suffering. That means this, everybody here in this room, if you're a child of God, there's going to be suffering in your life. Remember this, though. Your suffering has value. Remember this. Your suffering will end. And remember, everything, everything is for the eternal. So we must, we must remember that as we begin this journey as a child of God. Verse number eight. Look with me, if you would, there, please. The Bible says, whom having not seen, ye love. Now catch this, catch this verse. Whom having not seen, ye love, in whom though now ye see him not, yet believing, ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. Whom having not seen, ye love. Who's he speaking of there? Christ. How many of you ever seen Jesus? How do you love someone you've never seen? 
How many of you were there at the cross when he was crucified? Anybody? We had one in the first service that was really close. He had a birthday and he was getting really close to that, but he wasn't quite there. <laughs> None of us were there. None of, us, none of us saw the birth of Christ. None of us saw him there in the manger. None of us saw him there at the cross. None of us have seen him uh, face to face, but we still love him. We still by faith believe that he came and died and shed his blood. We by faith have trusted him as our savior. We've never seen him, but faith has been required to believe and to love him. So he says this, whom having not seen, ye love, in whom though now ye see him not, yet believing, ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls. And Peter is reminding us to trust, or Peter's reminding us to have faith even though we can't see it now. The day we got saved, our faith in Christ is what saved us. We believed in someone we have never seen. And so Peter is using this, I believe, as a reminder to us that, that our faith, the faith that we had when we trusted Christ, although we've never seen him, that same faith is the same faith that we ought to have now as believers when sorrow or trials begin to come. When that trying of your faith comes, we are to still have faith in Christ. We had faith that he could save us. We ought to have faith that he can supply the needs during every trial that we have. And so what he's showing us is I can see my trial now, but faith, faith is that one day it's going to end. It's not putting my, putting my time and my effort and my eyes upon the trial. It's realizing this, that, that he saved me. I, I, I can trust him to save me. I can trust that this trial is going to end. I see my hurt now. Every trial, maybe that trial of your faith that you're going through causes hurt in your life and causes pain in your life. You see that now, but that faith, faith is this, that God will give you strength to endure. And so we... Understand this, it takes faith to get saved. We've never seen him, but we love him. And when you get into that trial of your faith, when you begin that journey of suffering, it also requires faith. If we had faith for salvation, then we ought to have faith to trust him in our trial as well. He reminds us of our faith in Christ. Remember when you were saved, the thing was this, you saw that you were a sinner, and you believe that Jesus Christ could save you. How many of you remember the day you got saved? All right. Let me, let me just, just to wake you up a little. If, if you remember the day you got saved, say, this is a hard one. Say, amen. All right. Let me, I have to ask you, though. All right. He's jumping in front of me here. Here we go. Remember the day you got saved? Was it? Wait. Remember the day you got saved? Amen. Wasn't it a great day? You realize that you were a sinner? You realize that there was a payment for your sin? I told you a couple weeks ago, I was talking to, to a, a lady that uh, was never heard, never heard the fact that somebody else came and paid her sin debt. Never even heard that before. I didn't have to convince her that she was a sinner. She knew she was a sinner. She began to list the things that she'd done. I'd say, whoa, stop. It's enough. But what she didn't realize is that someone came and paid that sin debt. And when she heard that, she got excited. She had joy. She had never heard. She said, I never heard that before. 
Remember the day that you found out that you were a sinner, you realized that, and then someone told you this, that Jesus Christ, he died for you, and by faith, you trusted in that? There was joy there. Believing that Jesus saved me, that, that day I put my faith in Jesus Christ. He says this, whom you have not seen, ye believe. You see him not, but you still believe. When you go through that trial of faith, don't lose faith in God. Don't think that he's forgotten about you. Don't, don't think that, that, that uh, he's let you down or he's left you. Have the faith. Faith in God as you begin this trial of your faith. If you trust him enough to save you, and I know some have probably heard this before, if you trust him enough to save you, then trust him enough that he'll hold you through this trial. If you believed in him for salvation, if you trusted him, had enough faith to trust for salvation, then have enough faith in this trial to know that he'll hold you through this trial. If he loved you enough to save you, then he loves you enough to give you what you need through the trial of your faith. If he loved you enough to redeem you, he, know, he loves you enough to hold you in this trial. So we look on here, we find this, whom you've not seen, you love. So we know we love Jesus even though we've not seen him. Look with me in verse number 10, the Bible says, of which salvation the prophets have inquired and searched diligently, who prophesied of the grace that should come unto you, searching what or what manner of time the spirit of Christ which was in them did signify when it testified beforehand the suffering of Christ. Mark that there, the, the suffering of Christ. And then he goes on to say this, in the glory that should follow. There was suffering that came and what followed that suffering was glory. Peter is, he's reminding the Jews here that this is the salvation that the prophets spoke of. You go back to the Old Testament and Isaiah prophesied of, of this one Messiah that was going to come and the prophets prophesied. And you know, most of the prophets that prophesied, they weren't, they weren't uh, looked at very highly. They went through a lot of persecution. They went through a lot of suffering. They suffered because they preached the truth. They suffered because they were telling, thus saith the Lord. They were telling the people to repent. And the prophets, as they, as they preached, they suffered. Christ suffered for his coming. And the believers, there's going to be suffering for believers as well. And so he says in verse number 11, searching what or what manner of time the spirit of Christ which was in them did signify when it testified beforehand the suffering of Christ in the glory that should follow. I want you to just see that phrase, the glory that should follow. And thinking about the suffering, thinking about this journey that Peter is going to take us upon, uh, that every believer is going to go through suffering, there's going to be a trial of our faith, that God uses this to, to mold us and to make us what he desires for us to be. He, he's challenging us, I believe, to keep our focus on the glory, not the suffering. Jesus kept his focus upon the fact that going to the cross and, and paying for our sin debt redeems us back to God. He focused on the glory, not the suffering. 
If you remember, Jesus didn't, he asked his father if this cup could pass to let this cup pass from him. He, he, he didn't want to go through the, the suffering part, but it was worth it because of what happened. And so we find that the glory, the glory follows the suffering and we need to keep our focus on the glory and not the suffering as we're going through this trial of our faith. And Jesus kept his eyes on the glory, not on the suffering that he went through. Now, I realize this as human beings, the last thing we want to deal with is the trial of our faith. The last thing we want to think about is the suffering that we're going through. I think I mentioned this before when we started our study. Nobody wakes up and says, God, I love you so much this week, today. Give me that suffering today. I mean, I really want you to give it to me today. I really want you to allow me to go through this so that in the end, you'll be glorified. The truth is this. We as human beings, as Christians, we want God to be glorified in our life. But if there is a way to do it without us going through suffering, that's the path we choose. I think everyone will be honest with that. No one looks forward to the trial of your faith. No one looks forward to that trial that just rocks your faith. No one looks forward to that, that time of suffering where, where it's difficult and it's hard and, and, and you wonder and it causes you to, to just come to the place of almost a breaking point in your life. And, and, and we must see here though, and Peter is showing us that Jesus, he kept his eyes on the glory, not on the suffering. And glory comes through suffering when the believer allows God to work in his life. Now, if I asked you this, how many of us want to bring glory to God? I believe all of us would raise our hand and say, of course I do. I mean, if we didn't want our lives to matter something for Christ, we'd be carnal Christians. We want our lives to matter. We want our lives to count. We want to live our lives so that, that Christ receives glory, that others can see Christ in us. We, we want to live that life. That glory comes many a times through suffering. And so Peter is setting this stage here for this journey that we're going to be on. He's setting this stage and he's Reminding us that salvation came only because of the cross. You know, we're saved today because of the suffering Christ had to go through. If there was any other way, it, could, it would have been done. But the cross, sin, had to be paid for. God's wrath had to be satisfied. Blood, a blood atonement had to be made. He had to go to the cross. In order for us, you and I, here tonight, in order for us to be redeemed back to God, there had to be the cross. If it was from, by good works, then Jesus didn't have to go to the cross. If it was any other way, if it was through religion, Jesus wouldn't have had to gone through the cross. But glory came because he suffered. We were redeemed back to God. Salvation is ours because of the suffering that Jesus went through. Without the cross. Without the cross, we wouldn't have the salvation that we have. 
blood had to be shed. The atonement had to be made. The reproach of the cross brought salvation to you and to me. I want you to see with me in verse number 13. There's a word here in verse number 13 that we really don't use in our vocabulary much anymore. Wherefore. How many of you used that word today as you were speaking? Anybody? Wherefore. Who knows what that word wherefore means? Anybody? When you see therefore in the Bible, it, says, it means what? It's real easy. It's, it's what it's there for. Therefore. But wherefore, it's, what's it mean? Yes. For what reason or as a result of. So Peter gives us 12 verses and then comes to verse number 13 and says wherefore or for what reason. So everything I just said, for what reason? And so he tells us, he tells us in verse number 13, wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind and be sober and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. It's important. This, this verse is a really a, a turning point, a preparation. He's giving us all this information up to verse number 13. And then he says this, this, for what reason? This is what you must do. This is what you must know as a result of this. This is what you must know and do. He says this, gird up the loins of your mind. Look with me in Ephesians. Flip over a, a few uh, pages there to Ephesians, if you would, please. Chapter 6. Ephesians chapter number 6 in verse number 14. In Ephesians 6, 14, the Bible says this, Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness. Stand therefore. Stand having your loins girt about with truth. He says here in, in uh, uh, chapter 1, wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind. He's, he's, he's challenging us to bring every thought into subjection to the revealed will of God. In, as you begin that trial of your faith, as you begin to go through this journey of suffering that every Christian is going to go through, that you can't avoid, that you can't get out of, you're going to go through this suffering. And God has value in it. He has a purpose for it. And as you're going through it, we must do something. Thing. We must make sure that our mind is right. Do you, ever, do you ever think something while you're going through a trial and realize that what you were thinking wasn't true? You know, trials has a way, have a way of messing with our minds, don't they? Trials have a way of putting fear into our mind. Have you ever lost sleep over something? only to find out it wasn't worth losing sleep over? Do you ever lay there in bed and just wonder? In your mind, what do we say? Our mind is spinning a thousand miles a minute, right? Just keep thinking, thinking. You're laying there and fear comes. Laying there and you hear noises. And you look over and you're wife or your husband is there so it's not them 
All the kids are in bed too because they heard the noise as well, so it's not them. And you're wondering in your mind, you're always thinking the worst. Always thinking the worst. Here, Peter's challenging us to bring every thought into subjection to the revealed will of God. He spends the previous verses before he tells us to gird up our minds or make sure you got right thinking. He's talking about faith. He's talking about salvation. He's talking about what Jesus has done. He's talking that we've been saved by faith, that we love the Lord. We've never seen him. We had faith enough to be saved. We had faith enough to accept the free gift of salvation. We've trusted God with eternity. And now when you're in that trial of your faith, if you've trusted him with your eternal life, then you can trust him in this life as well. You ever been through suffering or a trial and you think that's the end? I mean, it, it can't get any worse. You know what Peter is reminding us or helping us not to do? Get into stinking thinking. You ever hear that before? Stinking thinking. When you begin to think and your thinking stinks. He's challenging us. When you come to that place, you've got to go back to the promises of God. You've got to go back. You can't let your mind wander. You can't let fear get in there. You can't let, let that, 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 that anxiety get you to the place where you start doubting what God has already done. The foundation has to be set. I believe, I believe by faith, even though I've never seen Jesus, I know he loves me and I love him. Even though I've never seen him at the cross, I believe that he died and he rose again. Even though I wasn't there, by faith I believe it. And in the trial of my faith, I'm not going to doubt what God has already done. I'm not going to go back and begin to, to doubt. I need to bring every thought, every fear that Satan puts in your mind, you've got to bring it back under the subjection of the re revealed will of God. What did God already say? What did God already say? You get in that trial of your faith and you say, God, I don't know where you're at. Are you still there? You've got to bring back the fact that God said, I'll never leave thee nor forsake thee. He's always there. It doesn't matter how dark the trial gets. God is still present. How do I know that? Because his word says. God isn't dependent, how close to me isn't dependent upon the trial. It's dependent upon his word. And his word says it and I can trust it. Fear. Remember that those old cartoons when little red guy with a pitchfork and a tail would be on your shoulder, and he'd say one thing, and then there'd be the same guy, just has he's white and has wings on the other side, and they'd be arguing with each other. You know those cartoons? Satan whispering in your ear. Fear, fear, fear. Fear. Spoke to someone last evening. They called and said, Pastor, I need to talk with you. I lost my job. I don't know what I'm going to do. And what you do is you point them back to exactly what the Bible says. 
Go back to the place where you have confidence in the word of God. We've got to be sure that our mind is right. We need to be sure that we've girded up the loins of our mind and that we bring every thought into subjection to the revealed word of God. Listen to me. The fear of the unknown is great, but we don't have to fear the unknown because God's given us his word. God never lies. God's word is never untrue. We can believe it. We believe it when life is good and we can believe his word through every trial of our faith. His word never changes. Trust. Trust what he's already revealed. We need to, as Christians, as believers, not fear the unknown. He goes on to say this, wherefore, gird up your loins of your mind. Make sure that you bring everything in subjection to the word of God. Be sober. In hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. The hope is to be that guiding pillar that leads us to this end of this journey. Listen, he reminds us once again in this chapter that Jesus Christ, he's coming again. That ought to excite everyone in this room. If you're going through a trial of your faith, if you're going through a difficulty, know this. Jesus Christ is coming again. I can trust him. I look over things that are going all around this world, and boy, this world's a messed up place. You know what it reminds me? That Jesus Christ, he's coming again. He's coming. I need to keep my mind under that, that subjection. That's my guiding pillar. I must realize this, that, that he's going to lead me on the, to the end of this journey. He's coming again. Verse number 14, look with me if you would please. As obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lust in your ignorance. As Peter is, again, that wherefore. So we've heard where our foundation ought to be. And then when that trial comes, where's your mind at? Are you concentrating on the word of God? Are you letting that be your guiding pillar? And then he says in verse number 14, as obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lust in your ignorance. Don't go back to how you were before salvation when trial comes. Don't go back to where you've got to figure your life out. Don't go back and, 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 and your faith be small. Don't go back to the way you were. Be sure this, that, that you understand trials are going to come. There's value in those trials, and God is going to work out in those trials. And don't go back to thinking the way you thought before you were saved. Don't go back to life being, being before you were saved. Continue to trust the Lord, he's saying in verse number 14. This is that forward journey. Our journey ought to continue to take us closer to the Lord. The journey of suffering should never bring us farther from the Lord. That journey of suffering that we go on, that trial of your faith, it should be something that draws us closer to the Lord. No journey in life is meant to draw you away from God. Every journey of suffering is meant to draw you closer to God. Draw you closer. Brother Dissip called me last evening and told me that his son blood pressure got low and fell and hit his head on the cabinet in his kitchen and they had to rush him by ambulance to the to the emergency room and so I drove down to Wood County and uh, 
visited them there at the hospital there. And then I was leaving and taking the back way. Normally I get on the highway and I took the back way. And as I was taking the back way, I was on Haskins Road. And as I was driving through Haskins, two things I think of when I'm driving through Haskins. I think of, of Alan and his wife and I think there's a speed trap, so slow down. <laughs> I've, <laughs> I've talked to enough of you to know that don't speed through Haskins. So as I was slowing down, going below the speed limit through Haskins, the Lord just put Alan on my mind. And I, thinking about him, I called him and we spoke for a few moments and so I hung up, I began to think about suffering. We've spent time together and he's told me about the, the morning where everything was normal, everything was fine, getting ready for church, right? Finds his wife suffering a heart attack. You know, Pastor Oscar, he's going through this quadruple bypass surgery, and I talked to him yesterday, and he's joking, and everything's fine. He's wanting to know when I can sneak him over some pepperoni pizza because Zeta won't let him have any. <laughs> then I think of a family like this where not everything is fine. Suffering. Amen. As we go through this journey, even if the outcome isn't what we want it to be, that journey ought to draw us closer to God. That journey ought to bring us to a place that God is able to reveal something about himself. That we would never know about him except for that journey. See, we want to know God on our terms. I want to know his grace and I want to know his mercy if I don't have to experience the suffering to, exp to get to know that. But as we go through that trial of our faith, and we see that every trial there's value to. Every trial has an end. God has a purpose. God has a plan. And that trial, even if the outcome is not what we want it to be, that outcome is what God desires it to be. And his desire is that we always move closer to him. Always. No matter how big that trial is, God's purpose is for you to draw closer to him through it. Never push you away. We know these things now. As obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lust in your ignorance. We're no longer ignorant anymore. We know this. The first 12 verses, it tells us this about faith. It talks about salvation. We understand that suffering is going to come. We understand the reproach that Christ went through with the cross. We understand it's going to end. We understand that Jesus Christ is coming again. We understand that he's going to use this to bring glory. We know those things now. So don't go backwards when that trial comes. Go forward. Get close 
closer to God. Don't forget what you learned before the trial. Did you ever learn something and you forget it? And bother you? Oh, I can't remember. I can't remember that. Trying to learn scripture and it bugs me that my kids can just continue to memorize scripture and I want to memorize scripture. So I had my wife the other day. I said, all right, I, I want to memorize this. So I give her what I'm trying to memorize and man, oh man, I mean, I'm in two words into it. And I'm already wrong. And I'm getting frustrated at her. I said, I'm not, give me that back. And I'd read through it and I got it down. I'd give it to her and I'm trying to memorize it and I'm wrong again. I wanted to get it. I knew this. I, I, I knew it. I, I could say it. I could quote it. And, and, and I knew it. And it frustrated me because I couldn't remember it. So I had to keep knowing it and keep practicing it and keep bugging her. All right, here we go. This time I've got it down. And I knew she didn't believe me because she's like, okay, she's doing what she's doing. Like, okay, go ahead. Not even looking. And she said, I have it down. You've said it so much now. <laughs> But first 12 verses, it tells us about our faith. It tells us about Jesus Christ. It reminds us that we're saved, that we love the Lord, that he loves us, that we don't see him, but we still by faith believe. It tells us of the suffering. It tells us of all those things. This is what we must believe. This is what you must be grounded in. This is what your life matters now. Jesus is coming again. Don't ever forget those things. Don't let the trial send you backwards. Don't let the suffering cause you to turn from God. Don't let the suffering cause you to, to stumble in your faith. Don't let the suffering cause you to go back to be the way you were. You're not ignorant anymore. You now know the truth. Be a child of God and get closer to him through that trial. As obedient children. Verse number 15. 15, I'll be, I'll be finished here. But as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. Because it is written, be ye holy, for I am holy. And that word conversation there can also be interpreted lifestyle. Conversation, we think of conversation as words, but what, what Peter's saying, in every aspect of your life, be holy. Seek to be Christ-like. When that trial comes, seek to be Christ-like. When that burden comes, seek to be Christ-like. When that trial of your faith, the one that rocks you, the one that just, just gets you to, the, to that breaking point, seek to be Christ-like. In everything of our lives, we must represent heaven, not this earth. We're no longer, we're no longer uh, uh, here upon this earth. We're, we're pilgrims. This, this is not my home. The moment I got saved, heaven is now my home. And in every trial, I must seek to represent heaven, not represent what I used to be. When I, before I was saved, I, there was fear. Before I was saved, there was no peace. Before I was saved, there was no contentment. Before I was saved, there was no understanding of salvation. Before I was saved, there was no faith in the Lord. But now that I'm saved, all of that ought to change. 
Now that I'm saved, when trials come, I can stay right with God. I'm still commanded to be holy in every area of my life. In every area, I want to represent heaven. That means this. I must keep my mind focused on the eternal. When something bad happens, the first thing we think of is, what's the consequence in the here and now? We've got to keep our focus eternal. We've got to keep our focus on heaven. We've got to keep our focus realizing this. It's not about the here and now. It's not about the temporal things. It's about the eternal things. So I walked up the, uh, the, walked up to the uh, hospital, Wood County Hospital last evening. Tony is just in pain. His wife's sitting there on her laptop, and their oldest daughter that's in at Bowling Green, she's in the room as well, and Dick's wife is in the room. And I come walking up, and I see Dick outside the room as I'm walking toward the room. He's having a really serious conversation with the nurse. All I see is the back of him, but I could tell he was having this serious conversation. I thought maybe something happened with Tony and he was getting information as I walked closer and as I walked closer and I get right up on them and I could see Dick. I see this little New Testament in his hand. He's showing that nurse how she could, how she could be saved. And right there outside of his room, right in a busy hospital hallway, I see this nurse, this tear comes down her, her cheek, and she thanks him. She says, thank you so much for telling me this. And he said, what would stop you from praying and trusting Christ right now? And she said, nothing. And the three of us, as I got there, the three of us just bowed her head, and she began to pray and ask the Lord to save her right there, right there. One of the trials of his faith. She gave him a hug and thanked him for caring enough to tell her. And boy, it was wonderful. I was glad I walked upon that. And then Dick looked at me and he said, Boy, it's not good. Boy, Tony's not doing good. He's in so much pain. He said, I've just buried one. just buried one his daughter just passed away 40 years old of cancer and as a dad I'm I'm starting to tear up with him but in the trial of his faith he's keeping his mind on the eternal That nurse wasn't going to get away without hearing the gospel. And boy, how convicting that was. Everything God does, every trial we have, every burden we're going through, God is after something. And it's not us getting upset with him because it didn't go our way. It's not us getting angry and bitter because life just isn't fair. It's for us to keep our focus eternally. It's for us to keep our focus on, on heaven. The things that the carnal man 
gets sidetracked and gets thinking about stuff that don't matter. But Peter is challenging us in all manner. You see that there? He says in all manner. In all manner. In everything. In every area. In the trial of my faith, my faith shows who my God is. It shows others who my God is. My trust shows others who my God is. My lack of fear shows others who my God is. My lack of accusations. I'm not blaming everyone and everything for the problems I'm in. I'm trusting God. Sometimes when problems come, we want to blame people. It's easier. We're not to blame. We're to trust. We're not to make accusation. Oh, if this wouldn't have happened, or this person didn't, or this. God's using that trial of our faith to perfect us. There's a purpose for it. There's a plan for it. He's using that to mold us to become what he wants us to become so that we are heaven-focused in everything and not keeping our mind and our thoughts down here in the, the carnal things of this world. But God is after something so he can bring glory and honor to himself. So I talked to Dick this morning, and I said, how'd things go last night with Tony? And they said he was, he said he was in a lot of pain. I said, what'd they find? None, they just sent him home. And Dick said, I guess the Lord just wanted me to share the gospel with that nurse. Now, here's a dad that just buried his daughter. I took my wife with me last time we went to visit Tony, and she left, and she was emotional as we were walking down. She's just seen him in the condition he's in, agonizing pain. We look at the situation, we're like, boy, that's a shame. Dick's looking at that trial and saying, I guess God wanted me to share the gospel with that nurse. So I went in, I said to Tony, I said, hey, Tony, I caught your dad. I caught your dad out there giving a nurse a little Bible. He said, nothing changes. Nothing changes. That's what he told me, nothing changes. His wife, Chris, tells me this. We lost track of how many people have trusted Christ at all the hospitals that Tony's been in. His life matters because many people now have heard the gospel and accepted the gospel of Jesus Christ. Is it the way we'd have done it? No. But it's not for us to make accusations against God of how he's allowing something. It's for us to trust him and have faith in him and believe in him and allow him to mold us, draw him close to us, stay sensitive to what he wants in our life so that eternity that matters if Dick knew I used that illustration you know Dick well enough he probably wouldn't he probably would be embarrassed that I would even say that but it went so well because I know how I would be I'd be boohooing in that hospital room, not leaving, upset, wondering what's going on. How can we fix it? I'd be mad at the nurses because we're pushing the button and they're not coming in quick enough. I'd do the same thing you'd be doing. 
but I know what I need to be doing. I need to take the time and say, God, if this trial is your doing, then I want to know what you're after. And he is always after the eternal. He's always after the eternal.